Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, I want to welcome each and every one of you to another exciting episode of the Do I Offend You podcast. My name is Carl Britt. I am your host. I am your truth teller. Been loving to tell that truth since episode one and every episode since, and nothing's changed today. Um, I've been doing my best to showcase some good, dynamic, um, anointed apostolic preaching uh, and also side by side with that every now and then I get a chance to interview an overcomer who by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony gets to bring forth the truth and the power of what God has done for them how he brought them out where he brought them from what they're doing today and um, such is the case with the fellow that I'm interviewing today his name is brother Jay Cartwright from Second Chance Church in Yukaipa. And I don't want to spend a lot of time before I get into this interview, but I want to say just a few things really quick. Uh, this gentleman, and he is a gentleman in every sense of the word, but he can preach. He's anointed. He teaches Christian development courses that we have weekly here at Second Chance Church that are extremely anointed. They are beneficial in so many ways, edifying, encouraging, uplifting, and enlightening uh, is our Christian development courses here at uh, Second Chance Church in Yukaipa. And the fella teaching those is Brother Jay Cartwright. Uh, you know, when you look around at some of these apostolic churches, it's amazing to me how everyone in their holiness in their love for the truth, in their obedience to God, in their modesty, and how they dress and how they speak and how they live their lives out for God. You can't really tell what type of background or what their miry clay looked like that God brought them out from. And that's what, you know, that demonstrates the power of God in how uh, you look around at all these people. They look so polished in how they are also being used of God that, um, you know, you just don't know a person's story until they come out and testify about it. And that's why I'm so excited to bring to you folks to showcase uh, this interview with Brother Jay Cartwright, uh, because he's got a fabulous testimony. And by looking at him, you would never know it. You would never know um, where God has brought him from. But he is an overcomer. And uh, we're going to spend some time talking with him. Uh, I'm going to bring that to you here right after we go to the Lord in prayer. But, you know, it's 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 amazing to me. And, and I'm going to just say this for the record. Um, there are so many benefits to living for Jesus Christ. But one of the, the, the most dynamic aspects that fascinates me more than any is how God does his transformation, how he transforms a life. The Bible says you are a new creature and, and behold, all things, old things have passed away and all things have become new, meaning that just a, a, everything about a person's life, the way they talk, where they go, who they run with, how they look, uh, it, it's all changed dramatically. And uh, you know, this society spends billions of dollars uh, every year annually trying to offer 12-step programs and all these different things to bring a person out of their addiction, to help them uh, put their foot on some sort of place in life that will allow them to be a productive uh, citizen, if you will. Um, and listen, there is nothing that compare to Jesus Christ and his power. When he fills a person with the Holy Ghost, 
and they start that relationship of love for his truth with Jesus Christ, let me tell you something. He will take you and set you on the rock to stay and your life will look nothing like it did prior to coming to God. And that is the most fascinating part to me. Uh, You see people like myself, you know, many of you know my testimony by now, many years of addiction, uh, incarceration. Uh, My life has been sad. It's been sorrowful. And yet, Today, I have peace, I have joy, I have love, I have a hope, an expected end, a future, all in the hands of Jesus Christ, who molds and shapes and changes people in such a way that he is definitely going to get the glory because nothing man can do or set up can take the place or even come close to the way God illustrates the infilling of the Holy Ghost through a person's life and how it's changed where he uh, brings them from, how he breaks those chains of addiction. It's all exciting. I know I'm getting fired up. I'm doing a little rambling, but I am excited to be in love with this truth. Um, The Bible says that, you know, um, we are to be madly in love with this truth. And, uh, you know, you can't help but fall madly in love with Jesus Christ uh, when he gets a hold of your life and does things for you that you can't even in your wildest dreams imagine and um, such is the case with Brother Jay Cartwright. I'm going to bring forth his interview. I'm going to go to the Lord real quick. Got to keep my priorities straight. But uh, I'm all excited about this truth, this apostles doctrine, this, this gospel of Jesus Christ uh, that I am madly in love with. Keeps me excited. I'm zealous for the Lord. I do have a new convert's heart, if you will. And I hope I always have that. I hope I'm always on fire and uh, keeping my lamp trimmed with oil and ready for the coming of the Lord, which you can look around now and uh, you get the feeling it's in the air that Jesus Christ is going to return through the rapture for this generation of people. So uh, it's extremely important that we hang on, that we continue to be overcomers by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony and let our testimony ring true and come forth to everyone who will listen. And um, I'm excited to bring this interview to you. But if you are a prayer warrior or if you are not, let's go to the Lord and ask him for his help. I need his help in every episode, every step of the way. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, I just come before you this morning, God, asking you, Lord, for a touch right now in my heart, in my mouth, in my mind, in my soul, God. Uh, I want to give you all the glory for this podcast, where you've brought it from, what you have done with it, the way you're using it. Lord Jesus is just uh, completely beyond me. And it is a God thing. And I appreciate you for it, Lord Jesus. I ask that you continue to reach the hearts and the minds of those who are in attendance of this podcast, Lord God, that you would strengthen them, that you would use them, that you would comfort them, that you would save them, that you would bring the backslider home, Heavenly Father God. Uh, Let Brother Cartwright's testimony go forth, God, and be used of you in ways that we could not imagine, Lord. That's our prayer this morning. And in Jesus' precious name, we give you all the glory, Lord. Amen. And everybody says, amen and amen. All right. Praise God. Every person out there has a story. Everybody has a testimony. Uh, The Bible says we all have the ministry 
of reconciliation. Um, and you know, the Bible also says that um, what is done for you or told to you in secret, that get on the rooftops and shout it. Uh, let people know what God has done for you um, and what he's brought you from. And you as an overcomer by the blood of the lamb that is applied to your life and the word of your testimony, we all have a job to do for the kingdom of God. And, um, you know, I'm doing what I can as far as this podcast is concerned, but also something has arisen in my life. I'm going to ask each and every one of you to be praying for me. Please be praying for me. Um, God has opened up a door and answered prayer for me and some fasting that I've been doing over the last six or eight months. Um, that I could be used of God in such a fashion uh, in soul saving and sharing my testimony um, that I could be on his payroll. Amen. All right. The job that I have been doing for the last two years uh, is a six day a week job. It's 12 hours a day. It has not left me uh, any time to participate in the things that my heart desires uh, to be a part of, which is outreach, bus ministry, the Sunday school program and so on and so forth. So God has presented me with a unique opportunity um, to do a career switch uh, here in my life and work for him and praise God, it's my desire. So please be praying for me, ladies and gentlemen, um, that this will work out um, for me. And I wanna thank you so much for your prayers. Also, um, many of you have continued to comment on the podcast. God is using this podcast and I praise him for that. And, um, I'm, and this is one of the reasons I'm so excited to bring Jay Cartwright, brother Jay Cartwright, uh, to the microphone in an interview, um, because his, his testimony is so powerful. And if you, uh, have the chance, or if you know him and you have heard him preach or heard him teach, it's hard to see that he has been a part of, even if it's been 40 years ago or 32 years ago, or however long ago it was that God saved him and brought him out. He was in the clutches of Satan as the, as the majority of this world is today, but God can do it. God is all powerful. He's almighty. And if you put your trust in him and you're filled with that Holy ghost and fire, um, he will change your life. And not only will he change your life and save your soul, but he will put an urgency to reach the lost within you. He will put a desire to be used of him in any capacity. It doesn't matter if you're vacuuming the church floors, or if you're an evangelist and everything in between, God has a use for everybody in his kingdom. Praise God and amen. So ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, without any further to do, I want to bring you the testimony of an awesome overcomer, a true gentleman, brother Jay Cartwright. All right, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, we are here this morning with Brother Jay Cartwright from Second Chance Church. Uh, The Bible says that um, it pleased the Lord that we are saved by the foolishness of preaching. And so, as you know, I have been showcasing some very anointed preaching over the airwaves of this podcast, uh, certainly in the last three months. Uh, But the Bible also says that the overcomers have overcome by the blood of the Lamb, uh, which thank God he's applied to our lives. Um, But he also says in that same passage that the overcomers have overcome by the word of their testimony. And so it's been my great privilege, my joy to uh, showcase testimonies, some really great testimonies, uh, 
we've had a couple of them. We're going to continue over the next two months. I've got a pretty good lineup. We're going to start off with Brother Jay Cartwright, who is here right now. Uh, before I bring him to the microphone, <clears throat> I just want to say um, one of the most fascinating things about uh watching the work of God in somebody's life is that, uh, you, you know, you, you watch brother Cartwright, he's anointed, he gets up there and he, and he preaches, uh, and you see him, uh, weekly leading, uh, and teaching the Christian development courses that we have. And you would not be able to, uh, look at this man and know anything about his background or where God brought him from. And that's the work of the Lord. That's what he does. Um, he has such a way about bringing someone out of the, 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 the clamps, uh, the grips of this world and, and washing them in the blood and polishing them up and using them and anointing them and having them fulfill the call upon their life. And most certainly that is uh, one of the most intriguing things I see in, in Brother Cartwright's life is just the way he carries himself. You, you see him up there in his suit and tie and letting it rip behind the pulpit. And you would not be able to look at this man and say, well, he's been here or he's been there. Uh, it, it looks like, you know, from uh, my point of view, I would say, man, this this guy was raised in an apostolic movement and uh, has never been tarnished or touched or rescued from anything uh, concerning the clutches of the filth of this world. But he does have a testimony. And that's why we are here this morning. Brother Cartwright, good morning to you, sir. Good morning, Brother Cartwright. I'm enjoying this already. Well, we're certainly glad to have you. This is uh, this is one of my great privileges. Uh, you know, uh, as far as this podcast is concerned, I want to reach people and let them know that that uh, not everybody has got the spiritual silver spoon in their mouth when they're born. Not everybody uh, is able to stay, which we know that's the ultimate testimony. If you can stay obedient and never have to be tarnished by the filth of this world, that is the top testimony as far as I'm concerned. Sure. Um, but there are people that uh, have been uh, where you and I have been mm -hmm. and brought from the miry clay. And um, that certainly is part of your testimony. I'm excited to get going here. Um, I know I, I, I told you that we'd go about 50 minutes. We don't, we, we, you know what? I just feel that the unction, we're going to go ahead and get it all out. It don't matter if it takes an hour and a half, we've got the time. Okay. So um, let me start by asking you this. Um, at what age were you delivered? What age did you get filled with the Holy Ghost? I was um, 33. You were 33. Okay. Without asking you your age, how many years has that been? It's 32 years, 32 years. You've been living for the Lord. Okay. That kind of explains why you walk the way you walk. Okay. Uh, in the spirit. And um, I thank God for that. And I thank God for how he uses you there at second chance church. It's absolutely phenomenal. And in a healthy way, I'm jealous. All right. So praise God. So why don't you just start off and um, uh, let the audience know a little bit about um, your childhood. We, we'd like to know about your childhood, um, starting with, um, well, you can start however you want to, but I want to really um, bring out what age were you at when you knew you were kind of going off the rails? Okay. Um, as far as for knowing I was going off the rails, probably around, I'd say between 16 and 18 years old. Um, I was starting to get really withdrawn. I was um, very um, delusioned about life. 
and what I was here for, um, why things were the way they were, um, what was the answer to be able to get out of it. And from what I could see, I didn't see an answer. Okay. So I was and what kind of family were you raised in? Um, my dad, uh, well, actually, let me start by my mom. She was very strong Catholic. She actually thought about being in a nun. And one of the things that she had told my mom, my dad is that one of the prerequisites for marrying is that they would be in the church. So my dad wasn't a churchgoer and he told her that he would. And so to best of my memory, maybe young elementary school, we were in uh, the Episcopalian church okay. for only for a while, though my dad didn't keep up on it. Right. Okay. And what kind of work did your dad do? He worked in an uh, American wholesale hardware as uh, I don't know, I remember the exact title, but he was in the hardware business. I think that he was in the sales end of it. Okay. So he was never what you would call religious. Not in my memory at all. No. Okay. No. All right. And so uh, you say that around the age of 16 to 18, you started doing things you knew, obviously, as, uh, we're not going to include spirituality here, but just by the laws of the land, uh, you were already getting off the hook. Yeah, uh, probably yeah, at 16, um, I started uh, with my friends. Uh, we experimented with alcohol, uh, was, which really was my main vice, I guess you could say, even afterwards later into my 20s and 30s. But that's where I started off. Okay. When I was 16 years old. All right. Okay. From there. That's awesome. So um, what we're going to do right here at this point in the interview, if you don't mind, Brother Cartwright, um, I just want you to get, because um, you do so well when you're up there speaking behind the pulpit, when you're preaching, um, you know, you, you really have a way about you. You have an anointing and there's a real good chemistry between the uh, congregation and yourself. Um, that I kind of want to try to bring out in this interview a little bit. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna turn you loose right now. And um, in your mind, you have this whole audience, which you do realistically, okay, however many people are gonna be tuning in. Um, and what I want you to do is just, you're going to um, tell us about your background, tell us about your upbringing and really dig into the depths of the details of what God, what you were obviously involved in. And so that we have an understanding of not only what God brought you from, but at what time in your life and how that came about. All right. So I'm going to just turn this microphone over to you and I'm going to let you just have at it. And if there's anything that I want to uh, interject with, I certainly will. Okay. Sounds good. Um, I was thinking about this, um, this podcast and um, what I would say as far as for um, helping somebody, not somebody, whoever would be listening to this. So it is important to me. Um, it does matter. It doesn't matter. So um, anyways. Hey, no problem. We got a dog on the loose here in the kitchen. Uh, Brother Cartwright is rounding him up. We're keeping it live, keeping it raw, keeping it real. Hallelujah. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, real quick, I just want to say while he's out of the room that I appreciate you guys being so attentive to these uh, interviews. Um, they are so just they're they're encouraging, they're uplifting, and they're edifying, especially this man's testimony. So, all right, Brother Cartwright, you're back. The dog is locked up in the room. Praise God. Keep it rolling. Oh, boy. Um, sorry about that. Okay. No Anyways, so what I was going to say is um, I was very concerned and um, desirous to help whoever was going to be listening to this podcast. And um, I know that God is able to help anybody and everybody. 
it's just a matter of, you know, people exposed, allowing themselves to be exposed to this. So anyways, um, my background basically, um, when I was about 16 years old, um, I was just start, like I said, I started to experiment with uh, alcohol. And then I started to experiment with uh, marijuana. And then it got into a little bit stronger with, um, I don't know exactly what they call downers, uppers, uh, hallucinogens. But for me, um, I don't know, I still, I mean, I did it, but I wasn't really enjoying it. And I started getting withdrawn from my friends because those things that I was doing, they were not fulfilling um, what I was looking for in life. And so it made me more withdrawn and more withdrawn and more withdrawn. My battle really wasn't so much. I know I'm speaking the things that I did, but my battle in life was never really so much drugs or alcohol. My battle was fear and depression. Mm. And that fear and depression was because, like I said earlier, um, I did not know my purpose in life. I didn't know why I was here. Uh, the things that I tried, I was into sports. I was into heavily into weightlifting. Um, those things, I guess, because I was kind of like a one of those guys that likes to hang out by himself. So there was a sports that you could do. Weightlifting was something that you could do even by yourself. Mm -hmm. But um, I was just finding uh, a lot of emptiness in that. Uh, I withdrew from my friends for about six months. I was actually very strongly thinking about committing suicide. That's where I was at. And I was about 18 years old when that happened. Um, my upbringing before that, my parents were good parents. Um, neither one of them had problems with alcohol, drugs. Um, they were, my dad was a very good worker. He was very loyal to my, my mom and to us. He would go to work with fevers. He would go to work to sick. So I had good examples as parents. So why did I go off? Um, there's a thing called sin. There's a thing called the sinful nature. Bible says there's none that is righteous. No, not one. All we like sheep have gone astray and the Lord has laid the iniquity of us upon himself. So that's really what it came down to. But I didn't know that at that time. And um, I had a little bit of experience with the Episcopalian church. Um, I have to say this, that is definitely not the truth. There's only one truth. There's only one God, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Uh, that was not found there at the Episcopalian church. But I remember, um, I don't know what the class was called, but I was in a class and there was a particular teacher. And um, I remember that. Was it like catechism? I would, I would have to say no. I don't okay. think that it was. And when you say Episcopalian, is that uh Catholic? It's very close to Catholic. Okay. You know, I, you know, when you go in there, if you go into a Catholic church and you go into an Episcopalian church, they're almost identical the way they do their thing inside of there. Okay. Very solemn, very quiet. They come in, they kneel at the front of the pew uh, before they go in the <coughs> room. And, you know, they do their confession booths and all that other stuff. Yeah. Well, I've, I've heard the term Episcopalian, but I've never understood it as far yeah. as, you know, what type of church it is. I can't explain to you exactly what the Episcopalian church means because as a kid, I was not into it. And right. I definitely am not into it now. Right. But that's where I was going. And like I said, this particular gentleman, um, he was a young man and a young priest, I guess you'd call him. <clears throat> but he seemed to be different than uh, everybody else that I met there and got involved in there. And when uh, I was told we had to go, I was being real honest. I, I dreaded it. I did not want to go. I didn't like it. But when I got in that class, 
and he taught different than anybody else that I heard there. And it seemed for the best of my memory that he talked almost talked and taught almost directly from the word of God. And something would happen to me when I would hear the word of God. And the reason I didn't know that at that time, but the reason that that was the case is because God's word is real. It's living, it's powerful. It's able to heal, it's able to deliver, it's able to save. And so that word was able to start working on me, but I didn't know it at the time. Right. So that was kind of like my upbringing um, as far as for school. I, I guess I did average. I always excelled in sports and PE and all that, but never uh, that great in the academics, uh, mm -hmm. probably because I didn't apply myself. So anyway, as I got to 18, uh, like I said, I was kind of really getting withdrawn and I hadn't hung out with my friends for about six months. So a group of them had came over to my house. Um, I didn't even know they were going, they were going to a Baptist church. Okay. And so they invited me to go to the church. And I remember uh, we were sitting in, on the floor. I don't know why we're sitting on the floor. There wasn't chairs. I don't know why that was either. I remember that in my mind, 18 years old. But anyways, um, the assistant pastor who was the youth pastor started preaching about the cross, teaching about the yeah, teaching about the cross. There is a difference between teaching and preaching. But anyways, he was teaching about the cross. And I remember at that time also, not that I was just depressed, but I was very hard. Um, I wasn't a crier. And but I remember when that man started preaching about teaching about the cross, that even though there was maybe 35, 40, 45 other kids around there similar to my age, mm -hmm. uh, I started crying. And I don't know. They didn't know why I was crying. Their tears were just running down my face the whole time I was there. So I would have to say that was my second experience in a touch of God in my life. And again, I really didn't know that it was. And this was around the age of 18? Yes, about okay. 18, 19. I okay. was and right so you, you had mentioned earlier, and uh, I, I don't know if you're going to go back into it, but I, I want to just ask you really quick if I can, uh, because of much of the world today struggles with oppression and depression. Yes. And um, um, it, it's, it's a huge uh, part of what society goes through uh, on the whole. Um, you had mentioned being suicidal, in fact. Mm -hmm. uh, was there ever a point where you actually attempted to take your own life? Actually, yes, later on when I was in my 20s, okay. I actually did. All right. All right. Okay, go ahead. Uh, continue on. I just want to get a sense of where your frame of mind was as far as depression is concerned uh, when you were hearing about the cross and it, and it touched your heart like that. So, Yeah. Um, the depression, uh, the real, I would say, heavy depression, even though I said I was withdrawn and everything, really came in my, started to happen in my 20s. Okay. But um, that's where uh, I was bringing that up about 18 because that's where I was. That's where my experience was with uh, being told about the cross. Right. And the reason I'm saying that is not so much for myself, for the people that are hearing this in the audience, whether they've heard about the cross or not, or whether they have. That is the answer. That is the difference. Even if it's not making an impact in your life right now, even if you have not submitted yourself to that Right now, I'm just telling you by experience. Um, actually, I'll just say I am 65 years old. That's how old I am. And that was 18. So um, I know by experience what the cross will do. It can break any barrier and will break any barrier. It doesn't matter whether it's depression, drugs, suicide. It doesn't matter whether it's health. It doesn't matter whether it's um, poverty. It doesn't matter whether it's homelessness. 
the cross is not limited to anybody's mindset, anybody's uh, lifestyle, anybody's, whether they've been abused or not abused, whether they're rich, poor, it doesn't matter. The cross is the answer and it's the only answer and it has all the power and authority to do that. Mm, amen. So when I was 18, uh, that's when I heard it. Um, I went to that church maybe about a year. And uh, within that time, they did teach about baptism, but they only baptized in the titles. And so I was baptized, but I was baptized in the titles and absolutely nothing changed in my life. The cross, Jesus Christ, being born of water and spirit, um, baptized in Jesus name through immersion and then refilling the Holy Ghost. That is what changes somebody's life. That is the only thing that will change somebody's life. So when I was baptized, I was not baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. So it was just basically like getting wet. Right. I'm explaining that to you so you can know, because um, that's what this podcast for, this interview is for, is to know where I've come from in my experience with what I experience now. When I got into my 20s, um, I started to uh, hang out even more by myself. I started to drink rather heavily. I started to go out and um, just so you get the picture, when I say I drink, I drink to the point of um, violence. I drink to the point of destruction. Blacking out. Blacking I blacked out. out. Yeah. I've gotten fights. I've crashed cars. I've, okay. you name it. So, so you were an alcoholic, a raging drunk, basically. <laughs> uh, I would say, yes, I did. It wasn't that I did it every day, but they... You know, I had to go to a drunk driving school once because I was, you know, and I'll explain that, but I got an accident. And so they said that you don't have to drink every day to be an alcoholic. I didn't really even do that. But That's so, a fact, yes. But my, again, I'm saying this, but my focus is not on alcohol. My focus is not on drugs, although I'm telling you what happened to me um, in my 20s. That's what happened. I was getting more and more withdrawn. Um, I was probably 24 years old. Uh, Brother Carbert asked me if I ever actually did commit suicide. I went out one night and um, I did drink. I drank really, really heavily. Uh, I had a Chevy hatchback. It was a five-speed. <clears throat> and when I would drink, I would drive very fast and very reckless. So that night, I don't know what time it was, probably close to the time of the closing of the bars, maybe one or two in the morning. Uh, I was driving and I tried to, I, my did, I crashed the car, I tried to cut myself. So I ran into a telephone pole, they told me, um, on the main street. It took out the power of that whole street. Mm -mm -mm. Um, they told me that um, they found me probably 60 feet, 30 to 60 feet from the car I had gone through the windshield. Um, I was cut up all over. I didn't have anything major wrong with me. And the doctors told me that I should have been dead. Um, the vehicle itself was taken to the wrecking yard, uh, even though it's already thrashed and, and no good. They're still charging you for it because in your name, right. you have to go over there and take care of it. Yeah. When I went there, they were totally shocked and said, you're the guy that was driving that car. And I used to keep a picture of that car. And but I finally got rid of it after a little while because it almost was like in my mind becoming idle to me mm -hmm. what the car looked like and how that I made it out of it. But it didn't have anything to do with me. So, um, yes, there was other attempts, but anything, nothing like that. 
uh, when it raised to suicide. So basically depression was so heavy in your life. It was something that plagued you night and day. Yeah. And okay. I'm glad you said that night and day. I was, um, depression really has to do with fear. That's what I found out. That's what I know. And I would have to sleep at night with the lights on and I would have to have the TV on at all time. And um, I think I'm, it's going to sound kind of crazy, but I'm just telling you a lot of where the fear would come. I had some background in church, but I also heard a lot about people that would get possessed by the devil. And I thought because of the life that I was living in depression, I was like, I, that's what I was afraid of. So right. um, that's what I would do at night. And then um, I started working as a mechanic. I would rebuild uh, differentials and transmissions of diesel trucks. Mm-hmm. And a gentleman would come, came to the uh started working there. And I noticed there was something different about him. And for whatever reason, we seemed to get along. He started telling me about the Holy Ghost. I had never even heard about the Holy Ghost. I had no idea what he was talking about. And he started talking to me about these church services that they were having. And he's, oh, "Oh, Jay, man, we really had a Holy Ghost service. And uh, he would tell me every time. And what town was this? What state was this? Uh, it was in California, and it was in um, Miramar. That's okay. I was working. All right. right over there by the um, Miramar uh, base. And so um, more and more, he would invite me, and he would... Uh, invite you? When you say invite you, you mean invite you to a church service? Invite me to one of his church services. And did, I, did you ever go? Yes, I did. Actually, I have to, I have to correct myself. At the time, he was going to a church in Escondido. Okay. The reason I said Poway is because that's the church I ended up going to okay. um, and staying in Poway when I first came to church. But it was in Escondido. Mm-hmm. I went one time and the worship and the prayer was so radical that it, <laughs> to be honest, it freaked me out. Yeah. And so I didn't go back for maybe three years. Yeah. And then he had switched to Poway. And so he invited <clears throat> me again. But at this point, um, I had pretty much um, run out of all my resources of how to straighten out my life. Uh, I knew that drinking wasn't the answer. I knew that dating out wasn't the answer. I knew that carousing wasn't the answer. I knew sports wasn't the answer. And so I had come to the point that, and like I said, I had tried to, I didn't knew that wasn't the answer. So, um, I'm not like recovery or anything. You ever try a recovery program, 12 step? I did not do that. One time earlier in my twenties, my mom, you know, I guess I was kind of close to her. So I would, talk to her about my problems. And she would, she constantly told me, oh, you don't get, you need to go see a counselor. And so I did that one time and I was observing that guy and I was listening to him and I told myself, there's no way I needed a counselor, but it wasn't that counselor it talks about the, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the Prince of peace, the mm. counselor. That's mm, the mm, one I mm. needed to hear from. Amen. But this guy, I uh, wrote him off and I wrote off all those others because I knew that there was no way they were going to help me. So, yeah, but I never did that five step program because or any other type of program like that, because I had heard about those and um, I didn't have any confidence in them. And and I wasn't going to expose myself to that. Not to say that, you know, somebody else, if they do that, that's you know what they do. But that wasn't for me. Right. So I went back to church. um, And again, it was Escondido was the first time. Poway was the second time, but it was like three years after Escondido. And uh, again, it was this time, though, I went to the pre-service prayer. And oh, wow, they were praying so loud and in the Holy Ghost. I mean, I 
I wanted to run, but I was more afraid that if they would try to catch me or do whatever, it'd stop me from leaving. Yeah. So I went through that service and I didn't go again for two years. Then finally, that man had left. He wasn't working there anymore. And so um, I called him after about two years of going to that Poway Church one time. And I told him, you know what, uh, can I start going? And I, they, they had church uh, two days on uh, two times on Sunday and then on the midweek on Wednesday. So I started going just on Sundays. And um, I stood out because I would just sit there. I wouldn't worship. I wouldn't lift my hands. I, they had a balcony. That's where I started. Right. In right. The balcony. But then I moved down to yeah. the lower level. And the guy that invited me, his name was Gary Nix, and he was very good to me. He would sit up there in the balcony with me. And he was married, had a wife and kids, but he would sit with me till um, I felt more comfortable. Then I went downstairs and I was in the back of the uh, church. And then I finally went to the front of the church. And I had made up in my mind that no matter what, I was going to continue to go to that church. And so I started to be able to observe the people. And instead of being like, um, I was thinking they were like crazy and freaks when I first started going there. Right. But the more that I went, I realized that these people were happy, these people were free, it wasn't fake, it wasn't put on, right. and it had nothing to do with what they were able to do, whether it was their job, whether it was their relationship, whether it was right. their family. And um, little did I know it, but every day that, I, every time that I went there during that, it was about a year, the word of God was working in me, but I didn't realize that. And that's what right. I would like to say to everybody out there. If you expose yourself to the preaching and the teaching of the word of God, regardless of whether what you feel or whether you think something's happening or not happening, mm -hmm. the word of God is alive and it's living. And as long as somebody exposes themselves to even just the hearing of it, it can start working in your life, your heart. It can take out fear. It can take out depression. It can take out suicide. It can take out when you say, oh, those, those are all bad things. OK, let me say it this way. Anybody that thinks that they are okay, anybody that thinks that they don't smoke, they don't drink, they don't do this, they're good to their wife, and da 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 da, they're the perfect, you know, American dream if you want to. I have to tell you, that that person is still lost. Right, that's right. Because the Bible says, I'll say it again, we're all born into sin. There's none that is righteous. And yeah. so this nature has come upon all of us. So if somebody's thinking they're good enough, if somebody's thinking that they're okay, that's maybe even just as strong as a deception as any other. Mm -hmm. So um, anyways, um, the word of God was working into me. I started going to the altar. I started praying. I started fasting. I started seeking for the Holy Ghost. And I had met, she was not my wife at that time, but that's where I met my wife. And we were friends. Um, she started praying for me. She started, <clears throat> this is the church in Escondido. No, this is a church in Poway. In Poway. Okay. I went to Escondido one time. Right. Okay. And then I didn't That's come right. back to church again for three years. And then I went to Poway Church. Mm -hmm. And this is the church that I'm talking about. Poway so church. The, the church in Escondido is the one where you went in and everybody was celebrating who Jesus Christ is like you would celebrate a good football game. Yeah. Spooky. <laughs> right? Yeah, with a lot more... See, the Bible says that when they received the Holy Ghost and they came out of the upper room, they thought they were drunk. Right. That's because right. they are all their bodies and their and their worship and their sounds that were coming at them. That's what I'm talking about. Right. Right. Yeah. Right, so right. not just football game. They, those guys get crazy, but they, there's nothing like the Holy Ghost that can make somebody um, just fall out. Um, they talk about um, drunk in the spirit. Yeah. Amen. 
where you can't talk. I've saw yeah. people carried out. You know, One I, man, three <laughs> <yards daughter. laughs> not, not to completely interrupt you, but I was just thinking about oh, just fine. this morning. Uh, I was thinking about how, uh, you know, the Lord appeared to Moses uh, in a burning bush. Mm -hmm. Okay. He had Noah build an ark and then he wiped out the whole world. Mm -hmm. And so someone can take a good look at this Pentecostal movement, this apostolic experience where uh, the, the Lord will fill a person with the Holy Ghost uh, and they'll be speaking with other tongues. And they think that is so far-fetched and so crazy, you know, but to me, it's yeah. no more crazier than the way that God moves or chooses to act upon man mm -hmm. uh, in the Old Testament, um, such as the burning bush. I mean, those are all pretty far out things, if you ask me, but that's why his ways are higher than our ways. And uh, his thoughts are definitely higher than our thoughts. We're going to continue our interview here with Brother Jay Cartwright. Uh, in just one minute, we're going to take a water break and we'll be right back with you. All right. Praise God. We're back. Our interview with Brother Jay Cartwright. And you were talking about meeting your wife at the church in Poway. Go ahead, brother. Okay. Yes, I met my wife. Um, and so uh, that was uh, a big thing in my life. Um, so anyways, uh, and it, that's a good place. Let me just say this. That's a good place to meet your wife. That's uh, really, you know, people can get married outside of the church, obviously. But if you come inside of the church and you get, um, whether it's a woman to, you know, get in a wife or get in a husband, you get inside of the church. That is the best place to do that. Um, have your relationship established in the church, have your children established in the church. There's no greater honor. There's no greater pleasure. There's no greater privilege. Try not to get broken up here. So, but that is, um, I was going to say the highlight, but it's not a highlight. I, it's hard for me to even put a word on it. It's just. Um, it's a blessing for sure. It is a blessing. It's a blessing. It's the richest blessing. The yeah. Bible talks about joy, unspeakable and yeah. full of glory. Amen. So anyways, um, she, uh, we kind of just were friends. And then uh, she started praying for me. Like I said, she started to fast for me. And this I, is a woman that was raised in the, in the movement, right? Yes, thank you. Raised she was it. raised actually in the Mexican Apostolic Church. Okay. And up to and that was from childhood birth, actually. And then when she was about between 18 to 20, she her family went into the UPC, the United Pentecostal International Church. And so she was already at that church in Poway for a number of years, um, maybe already eight years at that church, maybe wow. even 10 years or something like that. Um, so anyways, uh, the reason I'm saying she was praying and fasting for me is I was trying to seek the hope for the Holy Ghost. I was trying to get the Holy Ghost. It'd been quite a while. Um, I still had um, vices of the world in memory, not in action. I wasn't performing any of it. I wasn't doing any of it, but this world will leave scars mm. on your psyche it'll leave scars on your soul it'll leave scars on your mind and your heart and that's what i was dealing with so anyways mm -hmm. my wife went to praying and fasting for me <clears throat> in particular about a three-month period i don't know how many days she fasted for me sometimes i believe it was even seven days in a row and praying for me and she told me one morning when i came to church it was a sunday morning and she told me that you're going to get the Holy Ghost. God told me you're going to get the Holy Ghost. Um, I'm just going to be real frank with my reaction. I didn't believe it. 
And I said, yeah, right. Because I had been, uh, like I said, for almost a year and doing everything that I thought I needed to do. So I doubted it. So I went inside of the church. And let me just tell you, you can anybody can get the Holy Ghost at any time. You can get it when you're driving down the car. You, there's been people that have got it um, while they're asleep, waking up, speaking in tongues. You can get it at um, in an airport. You can get it on an airplane. You can get it anywhere and anytime. And I'm right. saying that for a reason, because I was at the church. Some people think that you have to get the Holy Ghost in a certain atmosphere. And I'm not taken away from atmosphere. That's very important. But God is not limited to atmosphere. He can do anything, anytime, any place. And so I was in the church. I was by myself. There was no service going on. There was nobody praying. There was no music. It was just me. And all I did is say, God, D told me that I was going to get the Holy Ghost and I want it right now. And immediately I, started, immediately I started speaking in a language like Indian, like India, India, right. not cowboys and Indians from the country of India. Um. But faith is a very important thing when it comes to serving God. The Bible even says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Mm -hmm. So after about a minute or two, I started questioning it. I was thinking, what is this going on? And am I doing this? I'm making it up. And, and it went away just like that. It didn't happen again for about three weeks. And then I was in that three week time. I was wondering, well, did I really get the Holy Ghost? Or what was really to happen? And again, I was by myself. It was in the morning. I woke up and uh, I said to myself, I wonder if God woke me up so I can get the Holy Ghost. As soon as I said that, all of a sudden I started speaking in tongues. And were you in bed at this time? I was laying down in bed. Okay. I was laying down in bed. So God has, he could do it any time or fashion. Any time or fashion. He is okay. not limited at all. That's great. So um, I was laying in bed, <clears throat> eyes closed. Uh, happening goes on for about 10 minutes. The first experience was one to two minutes. At this time, I wasn't doubting, wasn't questioning. Um, but then I thought, well, I questioned in just one regard. I thought, well, if I open my eyes, maybe this is going to go away. Well, I opened my eyes and it didn't go away. So I'm going on for another 10 minutes. And I thought, well, maybe if I stand up. See, I'm, I'm experimenting with all the facets of, you know, what somebody does during the day. So I stand right. up, still praying in tongues. Then the phone rings. I have to answer the phone. I probably didn't have to, but I did answer the phone. And I thought for sure this thing is going to be gone now. Hung up the phone <laughs> and I was speaking in tongues again. So altogether, maybe an hour I was wow. speaking in tongues. So this time I was completely positive and sure that um, I had the Holy Ghost. Right. And nobody could ever convince me. That's right. Anything else other than that? So let me jump in real quick. This is so fascinating to me. Okay, personally, on a personal level, how you could peek in through the doors or attend a service there in Escondido, and it's so completely outrageous to you that uh, you, uh, you you remove yourself from that uh, for a period of years. Uh, then you end up in this church in Poway, and what was so foreign and so crazy to you at one point, at some point in these services in Poway, it resonates with you that this is the way God intends it to be. This is the truth of how it is. Yeah. And you find yourself seeking him with your whole heart. The Bible says, seeking me with your whole heart that I may be found, you know, and it, 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 it what you're talking about speaking in tongues. And to me, that's very interesting how you had it and that you spoke in tongues. And then um, three weeks later, 
Mm-hmm. It, it happens again. And, you, and, and during this three weeks, you're tripping out. You're like, wow, did I or did I not? Right. Um, because I want to I want to I want to clarify something. And I don't know how. OK, so because I'm not an expert, an anointed preacher or anything like that, I don't know. God moves on uh, every person the way he sees fit. And it's not always the same for everybody. Mm-hmm. OK, but I find when I first started speaking with other tongues, that wasn't as huge to me as what I was feeling in my heart. I could feel the Lord come in. I could feel that, that divine touch, you know, that just causes you to weep uncontrollably. Mm -hmm. And then my ears are hearing that I'm speaking with other tongues. Mm -hmm. And so that's just a a collaboration or a confirmation that, wow, this whole experience, what I'm feeling, what's happening to me, this deliverance, uh, his heavenly ice cream scoop that he's digging me out with. He's scooping out all of the world and removing it and filling me with everything I'm going to need to live for him and be used of him. And he's done that for you in a magnificent way. Continue on, brother. I just think that's quite something how, um, you know, it happens so different for everybody. And I didn't know this about you. This is the first time we've ever talked about your testimony to this extent and this detail. And to find out that you went three weeks after initially speaking in tongues, it, it, that must have been quite something, but I love how you stuck with it and 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 uh, how he got a hold of you in your bed. He woke you up to give you the, to to give you confirmation that you do have the Holy Ghost. <laughs> amen and amen. Continue on, brother. Yeah, that's uh, well. Since you said that, um, my uh, direction going to change a little bit. So I'm glad that you said that. The word change is what really hit me um, when you were just saying like everybody's different. Receiving the Holy Ghost is different. You know, some with great joy and some, you know. Whoa, wow, it's just coming out of my mouth. But change is a thing, um, regardless of how somebody receives the Holy Ghost, um, regardless what the experience is, is what you're looking for, what I was looking for, what the Bible looks for, what the God is looking for is change. That's the Bible right. talks about in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that therefore if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things pass away and all things become new. So what it is, is yes, it's very emotional. It's very um, strongly emotional. Uh, the touch of the Holy Ghost, just think about it. The touch, that's When you say the Holy Ghost, that's God who created everything. He has no limits. He has no end. You can drive all day and still have him touch a little bit, small portion of what the earth is. And then you have the universe, the galaxies, the stars. That's the God that made it. And that's the God that we're talking Amen. about that's dealing with side Amen. of us. Amen. But that God takes the old and makes it new. So really my testimony um, and brother Carl, but it's amazing that he said that because that was one of the scriptures they're going to use. The Bible says that they, in Revelations 12, 11, that they overcame by the blood of the lamb and by the word of the testimony. Um, part of that word of the testimony is um, how you got in, but really the word of the testimony is Jesus Christ. Cause it also says in Revelations uh, 19, 10, that the, um, the testimony of Jesus Christ of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Mm-hmm. So what it is is that that God got inside of Carl Britt's heart, got inside of my heart, and He has changed our life. So old habits, like mm-hmm. the Bible says, old things pass away. What are the old things? Not just the drugs, not just the alcohol, not just the actions, but the fear, the anxiety. 
Um, he shall keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed mm. upon thee because he trusteth in thee. Amen. What's that saying? Is that anybody's mind that's full of the Holy Ghost, their heart's full of the Holy Ghost, there's going to be a peace. Mm. And it's not conditional because mm. Jesus says, my peace I give unto you, not like the world gives. What is that saying in the Bible? That's saying that if, if financial difficulties are there, are we going to feel it? Yes. If health conditions are there, are we going to feel it? Yes. If there's even relational tensions that are going to be there, are we going to feel it? Yes. But it's never going to take away the peace. What's the mm -hmm. peace? Is that I am in Christ. Mm -hmm. I'm going to heaven. Mm -hmm. The devil has no more authority over me. Sin has no more authority over me. Can it tempt me? Yes, it tempted Jesus. Mm -hmm. He was not tempted to do evil, but the pressure, the weight, uh, is something that tried to pull him, tried to draw him, if they could, but they could not. Mm -hmm. So that's why somebody that's full of the Holy Ghost, they do not have to be afraid of drugs. They do not have to be afraid of this world right. system. Right. They do not have to be afraid of anything that this world does or offers because the very Spirit of God is now living inside of them. And that is a daily thing that continues to renew. The Bible mm -hmm. says that the outward man perisheth, but the inward man, what's that? Our spirit filled with God's Spirit is renewed every day. That means, just like it says, his, his mercies are new every morning, his tender right. mercies. Right. So every day that we get up now, Mm -hmm. Yes, God has given us that new um, touch of his spirit, that new touch of his anointing, that new strength for the day. So Amen. when I got the Holy Ghost and um, I got married to that woman, her name is Delilah. And she can sing like an angel. She can sing for Come on now. She, she got pipes, boy. She if she was here right now, I'd have her bust in and give us a bar or something. I'm telling you right now. Yeah, that anointing God definitely comes on her when she sings. Um, so... I got married to her. I uh, we had a daughter, and um, that's her only child. Her name is Talia. What's her name? Talia. Talia. Okay, yeah. hold that right there. I don't want to change the subject, but I want to go back and touch on something that you said that you were talking about right now about the change. Mm -hmm. Okay, so at, at some point at a Baptist church, you go got you get baptized in the titles. Um, I'm assuming that as is custom with the Baptist church, you repeat a prayer after the, 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 the minister and then all is well, you're saved. Your name is now written in the Lamb's book of life, but you still continue to use filthy language. You still continue to live a life of unrepentance, mm -hmm. uh, which means that you continue to do the things that this world does. You're going to bars, you may drink, you may smoke cigarettes mm -hmm. or whatever, but now you are believing that even though your life hasn't changed, you're still going to heaven regardless, which is a great deception that the masses are suffering from uh, right now. But so I wanted to say this, and you know, I was thinking about this when you were just talking right now about that change. Uh, you know, um, I was thinking, and I don't know why this popped in my head, but if someone told you to go jump in this pond over here, that, it was, that it's a fountain of youth, okay? And so you go jump in this pond and you come out and you, you haven't uh, regressed a bit in age. You're the same, nothing's happened. You're gonna know that that's not the truth. But if something happens, you come out and you're 20 years younger, you're going to say, wow, that's the truth. Mm -hmm. That's how you know this apostolic movement is right on point. It's the truth. It's the way God intends it to be, because not only are you going to speak with other tongues, not only are you going to live out the word, his written word in the way that is pleasing unto him, but you're going to see a change immediately in your life. There's going to be a work to be done in your life. And you'll, and that, and, and for me personally, it's one of the things where I can say, wow, I could try a million different religions or denominations. I could try a million different things. And if they don't work, then I have to say, Hey, the proof's in the pudding. This is not the truth partner. Right. But when you get down to that Holy ghost, 
uh, a river at, that flows in front of that altar in an apostolic church and the truth, it is a Bible believing church where the truth is being uh, brought forth. You're going to see a change in your life mm -hmm. and, and what a change it is. Okay. Right. All right. So go on. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I, I wanted to share that thought. We've got time. We're not worried about it. Everybody out there in the audience is hanging tough, loving it, uh, being touched by it and moved by it. And uh, go ahead. Your your you, Talia was your daughter. Yeah, Talia. So we had Talia, um, and I I got I got to go back again, brother Carl. Praise God. Got me going on this this change thing. Amen. Um, but anyways, uh, what change is he talking about? Uh, this is the change. Paul doesn't say these words exactly, but basically, this is what he's saying: the things that I used to hate, and again, it's not worded this way. The things that I used to hate which is the things of God. Now I love mm -hmm. the things that, and then, so he hated the things of God and he loved, loved the things of religion. That's what he was in. He was a religious person. That's right. That's why he killed the, the church, persecuted the church because he didn't believe who Jesus was because he didn't know. But once he got touched and filled with the Holy ghost, all of a sudden he is, the Bible says something as scales came off his eyes and he could see, so there was a change instead of wanting to kill and persecute the church. He wanted to be part of the church. He wanted to um, preach about the truth of Jesus Christ in the church. So that's exactly what happened in Paul's life that now he is coming from persecuting the church to loving the church from not believing in the church to believing in the church. And how does that manifest and show in somebody's life? Um, some of the main things of change in somebody's life is a lack of prayer or a, not having a life of prayer to becoming that that is the most vital, one of the most vital things and one of the most desired things in somebody's life daily is praying. And let me say this, not praying my will, because Jesus taught in Matthew chapter six, not my will, but thy will be done. And so it's turning, the change is turning from being self-centered and wanting to do for self to being God-centered and wanting to do from God. There's the other change. Another part of the change is loving the word of God. The Bible says that the people perish because they receive not. It doesn't say a love for the truth. It says the love for the truth. The truth, meaning there's a purpose of having that word the. There's only one truth, but there's a purpose of having receiving the, the love for the truth because there is this only one way to love God. And that's with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, according to the word of God. And that will take place in somebody's life as a change. Amen. So there'll be a prayer. There'll be the word of God. There'll be a love for the church. There'll be a love for the brethren. There'll be a love for the man of God. A lot of times, not a lot of times, most people, all people, this natural body, this flesh, hates to be told what to do, not only hates it, despises and rebels against it, but the Bible says to obey those that have the rule over you. And so there is going to be a pastor involved in somebody's life because that's God ordained. It's not an option. It's not a choice. It's not, well, well, I think I can have church at my home or I can think I can know we all have to be under the authority of a man of God because that's how God speaks to the church and as a large and in whole is through the man of God. 
So yeah. somebody could say, well, how am I going to ever submit? I didn't want to submit to my dad. I didn't like submitting to my dad and I rebelled against my dad. I'm talking about me personally. That was another thing that was off in my life. I regretted that later, especially when my dad died and I was in the truth. I could look back and see how I um, went against what the Bible says, honor your mother and father and obey them. It's not just saying that to do it because it's saying because of the benefits, because of the blessings mm -hmm. that God will bring. And that is God teaches obedience to him in the beginning through being obedient to your parents. And so if somebody as a child is learned and trained through the word of God to obey their parents, it's going to be all the easier to be able to put themselves under the submission of a pastor mm, once good. they get to that time frame. So those are all changes that we're talking about. Now, I'm going to switch back over to the family. God gave me a wife and a daughter. Now, this is how the devil would try to deceive and try to um, strip somebody up to get them to not, not trust in God so that they will fall backward. When Talia was born, um, I'm not going to go into detail because she, but anyways, she had a birth defect, but I'm just going to leave it at that. It was not minor. It was... Um, rather serious and she had to stay in the hospital another week because of it uh, when she was I think it was three months to six months old somewhere in there she had a major surgery to correct it but the surgery didn't correct it by itself there was very um, intrusive and painful um, what do they call that therapy ongoing to correct this problem and uh, I was kind of devastated because I thought that my lifestyle that I lived and my ungodly lifestyle that I lived before is why this came onto my daughter. And I didn't really understand that. So one day um, I got so tired of putting up with that. And I told God, I said, you know what? Your word says that you're a healer. And. Um, Amen. Sorry. No, go ahead, brother. So I told God, I said, I'm not going to put up with this anymore. Yeah. And I prayed and I told my wife, I go, we're not giving those treatments anymore. She goes, no, Jay, we have to do this because the doctor, I said, I don't care what the doctor says. I'm going by what the word of God says. And I'm Ooh. going by what God says. And from that time forward, never had to do any treatments, never had any problems. God honored faith. So if you honor faith and healing of the body, the soul is much more important. And God came to seek and to save that which is lost. So anybody that's listening to me, no matter where you're at, God is speaking to you. He's letting him, you know that he is a healer mm. of the mind, the body, and the soul. But you have to be obedient. You have to act by faith. You have to act by the word of God. You can't resist. You can't keep denying. You have to yield yourself. And I am one that is not talking just by book. I'm talking by experience because I did not want to obey. I was not a obeying person. I was very rebellious. I was very against authority. Mm -hmm. But God was able to change that. So if you line up according to the word of God, how do you come into the church? There's only one way. When the, uh, Jesus had crucified, been crucified, he resurrected. He told the disciples, go wait in the upper room. They were there 10 days. Suddenly there came, they were all one mind, one accord. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven, a rushing mighty wind. They're all filled with the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. And so then they started to preach the message about Jesus Christ, how they killed him. And 
Uh, God had anointed him a man full of the yeah, Holy Ghost amen. to be able to. And so they were pricked in their hearts, the Bible says, and that's the design of the word of God. So if you're being pricked in your heart right now, don't brush it off. Amen. Don't try to talk it away. But anyways, they were pricked in the heart. What do we, what's, what must we do? So he said, everyone of repent and be baptized, every one of you for the, for the richer sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He told Nicodemus in John chapter three, Nicodemus, you must be born of the water and the spirit. And marvel not that I say this to you because what is born of flesh is flesh, but what is born of spirit is spirit. What's that mean? Everybody comes into this world naturally by the physical, but it doesn't get us into heaven. All it does is get us into the word, into the earth. We had natural parents, but they're natural. those natural parents die. But the only one that lives forever is God. So to get in his eternal kingdom, we have to be born into it. That's what I'm telling That's right. the audience right now. So you have to repent. What does that mean? Just turn from sin, turn from rebellion, turn from disobeying the word of God and just say, okay, God, how you say it. Then get baptized. That's to put that thing, bury it. Yes. Put it under, attach it to the blood, get it washed, get it cleansed, come up, and then God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. That's how Look, you get into the church. This is so amazing. Okay. This is, and I'm kind of joking, but I'm kind of not. Okay. So here you go from giving your testimony and now you're preaching to them. That's the desire and calling upon your life. This is just, I love this. And we're going to extend this interview. Uh, we're coming up on the hour mark. I'm going to extend it a little bit because I want to, I want to go back. I want to talk about, um, and, and this is going to be my favorite, personally, favorite part of the interview is that uh, as we were talking about the change, in fact, let me just go back. Uh, when you were talking about right now about uh, the upper room and they were in one mind and one accord, and we know that Jesus told them that uh, you'll be endued with power from on high when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. That's right. And that power uh, is, number one, it's what happens to you when that power comes in. Hey, it could blow your toes off and your fingers off. Thank God it's only speaking in tongues. All right. Amen. Yep. But that power, what that power does, I don't want to get too excited and too loud here, but let me just say that power causes you to keep his commandments and they are not burdensome to you. They are not cumbersome to you. You, you find that religion almost immediately, religion has nothing to do with anything and it will not save you. But that relationship and that love that you have, that the desire you have to grow in him and learn of him and be like him and conform to his image. And, and, and it causes you to have a love and a relationship more than religion. You have a relationship with him. But there's something else that comes with that power. Um, and, it, and, and we all have the, the ministry of reconciliation uh, where we want to talk about and, and, and use our testimonies to, to go out and share the gospel and spread the good news. But there's also an anointing that comes on certain people and a calling. Um, you At some point uh, in your... Um, uh, and you're being filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, I don't know at what point after, but I want to get into that just a, a little bit. Um, you had a calling upon your life because you have a great anointing upon your life, which is causing you to uh, sit right here and you already reaching out. You're already wanting to let them know that, hey, then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized because the Bible says without repentance, there is no salvation. I don't care what prayers you repeat. I don't care. Uh, if you're dunked seven times in the tank, okay, and, 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 and baptized in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Ghost, okay, which we know is not biblical. No. But, you know, so here you are preaching, and this is what I was most expectant of and excited about to talk with you today is, um, obviously, I want the audience to know where you came from, mm -hmm. but more importantly, where he's brought you to. 
And so you are fulfilling a calling upon your life. You're being used to minister. You preach, you're anointed, you teach. Okay, very well, I might add. And so could you just do us a favor? We have about, say, 10 minutes left here uh, on the podcast. And I want to know how that came about. Um, And then I kind of have some more questions. But if you could start with that. Okay. Well, um, I'm just going to say this. may sound crazy, but it's the truth. Uh, When I was eight years old, I'm not saying the calling uh, of preaching came upon me, but it probably was part of this. I was on my front yard by myself and um, I was looking up into the sky and I was looking at the clouds and I don't know how to explain it. I really don't know how to explain it, Um, but I can know in looking back now that God was revealing himself to me. And he was calling me. Um, I don't know how to explain it any better than that. But when I got into the church, I'm fast forwarding way ahead now. When I got into the church, and I told you that uh, when I was seeking the Holy Ghost, I did a lot of fasting. I didn't stop the fasting after I got the Holy Ghost. Um, I came into the church. I was about 175 pounds. And I went down to 130 pounds. And it was all because of fasting. Um, not saying that to boast upon myself. I'm just telling you. And I would, mm-hmm. fa- I would pray three times a day at least a minimum of an hour. And during that time, there was um, gifts. Brother Carbrett said preaching and teaching um, those things. And also the Bible said that uh, I always read about David and how he's a man after God's own heart. And I always read about the the ministry of intercession and prayer. So those are things that I asked for as well, not just the Holy Ghost, but um, I didn't ask for teaching and preaching, but that came along with it. Mm -hmm. But that's where the anointing and the call of God came upon my life and so um inside of me was instilled a desire to teach um that's a key point be, right there you had a desire god put that desire in your heart yeah let me let me just say as possible in my head don't worry about whether you have desires for god if you don't have them don't worry about if you don't have desire for these things and i'm not saying that like it's not important what i'm saying and meaning by that is that god is the one that puts those desires in. God is the one. The Bible says, I believe it's in uh, Philippians one twenty-seven, but I'm not sure. Did you? Okay, so it says that it is God that worketh and that's supposed to will and do of His good pleasure. That's that what I'm saying. Desire. So, anyways, I started having uh, desires to teach Bible studies. So I started teaching Bible studies. Um, How long after you were saved did this come about? I'm saying after I got the Holy Ghost, probably within, um, I'm, I'm trying to remember, I, it, it was almost right away, almost within about a year. That's awesome. All right. So within about a year, you say, uh, the calling came up, at least you recognized that it was a calling to uh, teach and to preach. Right. All right. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, let me just correct myself about one thing. Um, I didn't want to misquote that scripture about says God worketh in you to will and to go of his good pleasure. That's actually Philippians chapter two, verse 13. I said it was Philippians one twenty-seven. or I thought, but anyways, so, um, as far as for teaching, I believe that it was about a year and I started teaching Bible studies. When I came into the church, it, um, there was people that, took me under the wing, if you could say that, and they taught me Bible studies. So it made a big impact on me. I went through the same Bible study twice, once before I had the Holy Ghost. It was taught to me, and then after I got the Holy Ghost. And just God is the one, like I said, that puts it inside of you. And I just started to have a desire. 
and to teach Bible studies. And so I started um, teaching um, maybe even at the Sunday school. I think I had an opportunity there. They allowed me to teach one time, preach one time in the church. That was my first time. And then I started teaching Bible studies in our home. People would come and sometimes I would go to other people's home and teach them Bible studies. And that just continued to grow in amount and time. There was one time I was teaching, I think, about nine different Bible studies at one time. Wow. Oh, that's awesome, man. You're encouraging me, let me just say. That's really good. So um, I want to back up just really quick because I, I am trying to get a feel for uh, the church there in Poway. Mm -hmm. uh, Sister Cartwright laid eyes on you immediately, obviously, right? Huh? No, actually, I was there for a few, a little while, and um, I don't even recall noticing her right away, and I don't even know if she noticed me, but no, it wasn't right away, um, and now I can't, I can't even think how it was that we met. Yeah, I mean, our, we're in the same building, but I don't right. know how it is that we locked oh, eyes or Lord. whatever you call it. Yeah. I hope she's not listening to this. Oh, no, Lord, have mercy. I might be in trouble. She said, hey, here's a handsome devil. We need to get him converted right away so he could be a handsome, uh, handsome Holy Ghost filled. The, the devil minister. part was pretty close yeah, no, at the I time. Know. Well, that's pretty awesome. So, you know, um, I got one more question here. Um, when you were, was there a, a definite point where you said, and I know you started, uh, you had the desire to start teaching, um, but at some point did I mean, was there like a voice that boomed out of heaven? Was there something in your brain, something in your heart that said, hey, it's time to start preaching? Um, no. And when you asked me, as you're asking me this question, this is what popped into my mind. I was, we had moved um, from Poway and we had moved up to Temecula. And uh, I had been in the church there in Temecula, same church, you know, not the same church, obviously, different city, but the same organization. Right. Uh, True. I kept having this thought come to me that uh, about being a minister. And so the pastor of that church, and I, I'd been teaching Sunday school. I'd been teaching, um, you know, sometimes even to preaching. Uh, but I was inquiring and talking with the pastor about being a minister. And so um, about two and, after, two and a half years after we talked about it, just one time, um, he came to me and said, it's time to get your license, your minister's license. That wow. was in the United Pentecostal Church. So um, me and my wife went up there. We were licensed in the, uh, to be um, ministers in the United Pentecostal Church. Right. And it seemed like um, the anointing of God just came upon me even more, not because I did anything, but just maybe just the... Um, the office, I don't know. So right, right. it seemed like the teaching and the preaching um, was stronger, right? more anointed, yeah. and more effective in wide range in working with people's lives. Right. And let me clarify for the audience real quick. Uh, there is, you know, it seems like, well, if he's teaching, it should be just a uh, hop, skip, and a jump to be able to be preaching if he's already teaching. Um, I know personally that's not the case. Uh, I know many people who think they can preach and they can teach really well, but you could tell that the anointing is not upon their life for preaching. It takes a special anointing, a touch from God, a gift uh, to preach the word of God uh, where you have moves of the spirit, uh, you know, and everything feels right and seems right. And people get the Holy Ghost and altar call bears that out, uh, which is definitely the case with you. And so, um, 
So as you're teaching and you're rolling along and teaching all of a sudden it starts transforming uh, with this anointing upon your life. And now you're jumping into preaching. Do you recall or remember your very first attempt to preach? Actually, um, it was in Poway the first time. And I think the only time they allowed, but they had like a Friday night and they would have uh, different people preach, not just anybody, but they asked me one time and it was a time about 10 minutes. And again, I'm not speaking to myself, but I'm just telling you, um, audience that I was scared to death, but once I got started, I don't know how to explain it, but I could feel it. I could yeah. sense it. The church could sense it. The church can feel it. The anointing yeah. of God yeah. and his spirit and his power was speaking through me. Right. And of course he has many ways to confirm. God always confirms his word and his mm -hmm. calling and his anointing, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, 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 and sitting up under some of your preaching. Um, I can tell you that you're definitely anointed. Um, and it's and it's a great privilege and a great honor to hear you uh, preach uh, and teach. I enjoy I've been enjoying our CDC classes immensely, even though they're online. I'm not happy with that. OK, I can't I don't know if I could petition the pastor or what I could possibly do. I'm grateful that we do have it. Uh, on, you know, at least we have it online, yeah. uh, but it's not I, I enjoyed it more, obviously, when we were all sitting around the table. So yeah. um, but I want to say that uh, I'm very grateful to you for your time. I want to thank you so much for sharing your testimony. It's a dynamic testimony. Um, anytime God can take a wretch like you and I both were mm -hmm. um, and turn us into someone who actually loves God and are able to shake off the old man and live anew and be new creatures in him and, uh, and be used of him uh, in whatever um, capacity that he sees fit. And um, mm -hmm. so I want to say again, I thank you so much for your time. Uh, it's been, you know, and we're going to do this again. We will we'll have other things going on. You know, I, like I said, I, I really wasn't playing too much when I want more uh, talking about maybe having your wife get on here, just acapella blast one out. So, <laughs> so the audience can understand what I'm talking about. Cause she can sing, boy, she's got that anointing on her yeah. uh, life. So uh, any word, we got about two minutes left. You want to leave us with a word? Yeah, I do. Um, kind of said it a couple times already, but I'm just going to encourage people again, uh, especially in the times that we're living in. Mm. Uh, I was, the Bible talks about, um, Jesus was talking about a parable of the, going out in the field and looking for laborers all the way up to the 11th hour. Well, we're in that time. This is not a time to hesitate or delay. God is going to come back for his church Amen. and his church has got to be without spot or wrinkle or blemish, and they've got to be ready for his appearing. And that's what I was talking about. You got to be born in the church. You can't attend it. You can't work yourself into it. You got to be born in it because Jesus, God himself manifest in the flesh is the one that opened up the door by his death. He was baptized. The spirit of God as an example um, lit upon him as a dove. So it was representative of the need of flesh receiving the Holy Ghost. Obviously, he was God manifesting the flesh, but he opened the door for us and we've got to follow that suit. So don't be dismayed by the times. Uh, don't be dismayed by anything you might be. Don't be casual. Don't be comforted. Get in the church, get born again and go to heaven forever, because without that, nobody's going to heaven. That's right. Amen. That's a good word. Um, and I just want to say once again, how grateful I am that I got to spend this time with you. Um, and I know the audience is um, appreciative of it. Uh, none more than myself. 
Okay. I know this is some selfish reasons, ulterior motives, if you want to call it that, but I was, I've always been interested in the details of your testimony. Uh, I knew you had one. I knew a little bit about your, your background and where God brought you from, but not to that extent. So, uh, you know, it just goes to show you that, that whatever devices, uh, Satan uses to have his hooks into a person. God can set you free where there's oh, yeah. life. There is hope. Yes. And, uh, if you know, you have this life to call upon the name of Jesus right. and to get it right. But after that, it's going to be eternity and you will die where you are at. Hopefully it's full of the Holy ghost and yes. on your way to heaven. Oh, yes. And so I thank God for your salvation, for your transformation and for the calling upon your life that you um, fulfill so well. All right. So, amen. uh, amen. And thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Brother Cartwright. All right. God bless. God bless. Wow. What a testimony. What a dynamic, awesome word from an overcomer. Brother Jay Cartwright, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for lending your time and your testimony to this podcast where we will be praying fervently and earnestly that God will let the word go forth and touch somebody's heart. You know, I'll tell you, um, when he was talking about being depressed uh, to the point of suicide and oppressed, I was thinking to myself, you know, the devil was right there scratching and screaming and clawing and doing everything within his power to get Brother Cartwright to go over the edge and perhaps blow his brains out uh, and get his soul in hell. Uh, But he must be sick to his stomach to hear how uh, God has so dynamically and so merciful reached down um, into his life and saved him and is using him in such an anointed way as he preaches and teaches and saves souls and edifies and encourages. You know, there at altar call, he's always laying his hands on people and praying for them. Um, He is a powerful man of God. He is very humble in how he is used by God. And you know what, devil, put that in your pipe and smoke it. All right. Praise God and hallelujah. Uh, Excuse my slang, if you will, folks, but you know, I love that God is all powerful. I love that um, people like Brother Cartwright can come forth and say, hey, this is where the devil had me, uh, but that was yesterday. This is today, and this is where God has me and what he's doing with me, and it just touches my heart. It encourages me, um, and that reminds me, I want to say to everybody out there, please be praying for me more than you normally would. God has presented an opportunity for me to be used of him in a capacity where I could be put on his payroll. All right. I've been part of a uh, trucking outfit for the last two years uh, where my schedule was my, excuse me, where my schedule was seven, uh, six days a week, 12 hours a day, uh, no time for anything but church on Sundays. My desire is to reach the lost, to share my testimony, to save souls, to be part of the bus ministry. Uh, the outreach program, and I have not had time for that, but God has opened up a door and presented an opportunity for me to do so. So please be praying for me. And as uh, things transpire, I will keep you all posted so that you know how your prayers have been answered. I thank you so much for those of you that have been praying for the podcast. God is continuing to use this podcast to reach people, to touch people and bless people's lives and uh, in a way that only he can do. And I give him all the glory. Every ounce of the praise and the honor belongs to Jesus Christ. Uh, in conclusion, I want to go to 
Corinthians chapter 5 verse, excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17. I'm all fired up. Let me tell you, that testimony's got me fired up, Brother Cartwright. I can't wait to see you Sunday morning in church and put my arms around your neck, sir. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time like you don't even know. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, and it says this. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That is the testimony of an overcomer that all things that he was living like and and um, uh, perhaps addicted to, it's all been broken and pulled away and put into the sea of forgetfulness under the forgiveness of God and his mighty mercy and all things of their life have become new. And um, that is part of a testimony. It's actually... <laughs> Like I said earlier, it's 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 a part of the testimony that fascinates me how God can take a life that seems so hopeless at times and so um, just sucked into that miry clay um, to where a person may not even think there is any hope. And then God comes by and uh, someone reaches out and touches the hem of his garment and are made whole. And I praise you for it, Lord Jesus. I praise you for it. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters. Uh, once again, I want to read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Let this uh, passage of scripture be in your heart throughout the next two weeks until we podcast again. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away and behold, all things are become new. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, that's the Bible and that's the truth. <laughs>